great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less. Don't let anyone ever rip you off. Coming up in a few minutes in today's Clark Rageous Moment, how about when you're told they value your privacy and you need to read this policy? I got some fun stuff for you about that. And coming up later, something that's not been fun at all, people who've been sold fake health insurance policies and don't know after they paid all those premiums till they go to the doctor and they find out they have no coverage. I'll tell you what to look out for so this doesn't happen to you. Well, I have the great pleasure right now of being joined by David Lazarus, consumer finance writer extraordinaire. How's that for an intro? That's great, but I just tuned in to hear about those fake health, fake health insurance policies, so go oh. on with the show. I'll, I'll just sit back. No, no, that's coming later. <laughs> You're going to okay. have to stay tuned in after we talk to hear about that. So you are there ferreting out the scams, the ripoffs, and trying to right the wrongs. How's that? That's, that's good. Okay, let's talk. So there is something that has upset me as far back as I can remember, and it's when banks push on you junk pseudo-insurance for a variety of things. And there's one that I've always been annoyed by, and it's a protection racket called Credit Protection. And it's sold on any of a number of different bank products. So take a stab at defining what this pseudo-fake insurance is supposed to do for you, David. Yeah, and you're right. This is a number of what are known as add-on products in the credit card business, things that they're going to, to add as extra revenue streams, basically, that the companies, the card issuers, say will give you better protection, better flexibility, but in reality might be things you, you don't want or need, or worse, as you're about to hear, something you didn't even know was happening. So in this case, we're talking about credit protection, and credit protection is a form of insurance. And at first blush, it might sound good. The idea here is that if you ever lose your job or you become disabled or you face some other life-altering circumstance that could lead to you possibly missing some of your credit card payments, the, the issuer will not hit you with a whole bunch of late fees and start dinging your credit score and doing all sorts of nasty things like that because you will have this protection. That's the idea of it. The reality is, is very few of us are going to need that level of protection. And more often than not, if we do face some of those calamitous circumstances, what we'll probably end up doing is, if not canceling our credit cards, then at least using them more wisely. So your odds of of requiring this are low. And the thing to keep in mind here is it's not cheap. They're going to charge you a percentage of whatever balance you're carrying on a monthly basis as the cost of maintaining this protection. Which is a fortune. I mean, it's a fortune if you're running any significant balance on a credit card. 
Yeah, I mean, at first blush, you'd think that doesn't sound like too much. For instance, it could be about 85 cents a month for every $100 in balance that you're carrying. But considering that the typical household is carrying thousands of dollars in balance, then you can see how it adds up. And on a monthly basis, it starts becoming a real money spinner for the card issuer. So that's the thing. And even though that 85 cent number might look, oh, well, that's not going to hurt me. Think about it over time. Think about it with a large balance. And that's where you get it. And in this case, I'm writing about a fella who got signed up for this without even knowing that he had been signed up for it by Citibank. And a little bit of background here. Uh, Just a few years ago, Citi was told by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau that it had to refund $700 million to its customers for various credit card add-on products, including the one we're talking about here, which is now called Payment Safeguard. And the reason, if I'm remembering from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau's decision, it was where there was an outside firm that was supposedly getting people to say yes to this, but they were just making up that people had signed up for it. Yeah, also just some dodgy ways of doing it. For instance, uh, asking people um, over the phone rather than through uh, an actual online sign-up form. And that's what happened in this guy's case. Apparently, he was contacted by a city telemarketer. He has no recollection of this call. He certainly never placed the call himself. He never proactively went after this service. But according to city, during a phone call with a, with a telemarketer, this guy signed up for the service. I know what people are thinking. They're thinking, all right, well, let's just hear the tape of that and find out how it went. Yeah, here, here we get to the next problem. City doesn't have a tape. <laughs> they say, oh, yeah, we, we've lost that. Just trust us that, that you signed up for it. And what we're talking about here is a bill for thousands of dollars that was paid over the years by a fellow who didn't know. And now let's pause the, the right there and say this is a great reminder for people to read their financial statements. Because here's an example where if he just took a look at his credit card bills, and I looked at them, you would see that it's not presented in a straightforward fashion. Under fees, you see a, a line item for payment safeguard, and then you see the, the amount being charged. But this fellow tells me that, well, I just thought that was a normal fee, uh, a normal cost of doing business. And he says, mea culpa, I might not be the most financially literate guy you're ever going to meet, but how can you tell? And that's why I really want to emphasize this. Read your statements, understand your statements, because that's how stuff like this slips through. And so I, I say this and you say this. It's so hard, though. It's like when the dentist tells you, you know, it doesn't look like you're flossing your teeth every night. I'd really like you before you come in next time to floss your teeth. You need to look through your checking account statement every month, every credit card statement every month, and look at them when they come in. And people's eyes, you know, just roll. And I don't know where their eyes roll, but you get the eye roll. And so this is proof because this guy faced thousands of dollars in wasted money because he didn't notice that Citibank was charging him this every month. And then it gets worse, Clark, because when he challenged it, 
city dug in its heels and said, no, no, you signed up for it. We can't prove you signed up for it, but you signed up for it. Take our word for it. And then he appealed that and got nowhere. Then he appealed it again and got nowhere. And that's when he came to me. Long story short, I got the city to refund a bunch of that money, but they're not acknowledging that their practice was in any way questionable, even though, again, they had to pay hundreds of millions of dollars in fines over exactly what we're talking about here, which kind of suggests that the benefit of the doubt goes to the consumer in this case and not to the company. But it's a great example of how even when a company may be in the wrong, they won't admit it no matter how hard you push them, which is why you've got to keep pushing. And, and especially because if you snooze, you lose. If you don't yeah. look through your statements, then the burden of proof shifts. That's why you were so powerful as the consumer guy with the Los Angeles Times. Thank you so much for joining us. And as always, keep being there for us as our advocate. Thank you, Clark. Okay, got to switch gears now. Time to talk with Marissa Bell. And Marissa Bell, you're going to pick on my favorite food, and I'm not going to want to eat it anymore. Well, I, I seriously hope that there's a way that we can find around this issue, but I'm a little bit nervous now when I when I dip into a bowl of ice cream and based on what happened to me on Sunday night with my family. What happened? We had bought a brand new box of uh, vanilla ice cream from a name brand that everybody knows and, and loves and uh, at a store that we all know and love. And at that dinner, we opened up the ice cream and um, I was eating slowly because I love ice cream and I suddenly noticed in my spoon god there's a really weird lumpy thing in my in my spoon and so I kind of you know prodded at it and uh, lo and behold there was this huge industrial looking tack in my Yuck. ice cream embedded in my ice cream and um, oh my goodness you do know, you realize what that could have done to your insides if you had swallowed that <laughs> Believe me, I mean, you know, we were all, literally, we couldn't even believe it. There were six adults sitting around the table, two kids, and we were just, you know, it's just like we're dreaming this. And then I was like, oh, my God, I'm so, uh, in a way, I'm glad I got it in my spoon because, you know, my my nieces, they inhale. They inhale ice cream. You can imagine. They would have probably swallowed that, you know, in a second. As I would have. yeah. And so I was, you know, we were, you know, I was, I'm still right now I'm getting shaky again. I was like really scared, you know, by what I saw. And and, um, and so, so it freaks you out. The good news is you did not ingest it. And as best yes. you can know, hopefully it was the only one in there. So have you talked yet to the retailer or the manufacturer of this ice cream? No, I haven't. And that's why I'm calling you. I I, I wanted to know how best to go about this. I mean, obviously, since I wasn't injured, it's probably of no interest. That's right. That's right. I mean, that's the rule we've always learned about from personal injury lawyers involving food items is that if you're just grossed out by it, but you did not consume it, you don't have anything that's of interest to them. But it is of great interest to the food manufacturer and the retailer just to make sure they don't end up with bad publicity or a lawsuit or anything like that. Do you use social media? Have you posted this on social media? I have uh, posted, yeah, an image of what I found. Yes, I have. And people are completely freaking out, aren't they? Well, yeah. So I would go ahead on good faith and call Uh the manufacturer 
uh-huh. and call the retailer both. And okay. I would I would post their responses on social media as well. Okay. What do you okay. want from them? What matters to you? For me right now, what really matters is that wherever the source is, it's located. So suppose there's more of these in ice cream. You know, so the, that, lot, the lot on the ice cream itself is on there. You know, there'll be a lot number. Yeah, I have all that information. I wrote it down. I even kept the receipt and everything from where we bought the ice cream. And, and, and also, uh, yeah, all the info on the box. I mean, basically, as soon as that happened, we put the ice cream in a, the box of ice cream, whatever was left in it, into a Ziploc container. It's in my freezer right now. So all right. Well, then I, I want you. Definitely... I want to. I want you to get to it. Calling both of them. Uh, yeah. Be very careful turning the quote unquote evidence over to the food manufacturer yeah. if they want it, because you don't yeah. know if they're trying to cover up or whatever. You have right. you can have video of it. And make the decision you want based on how you feel they're handling it. Also. Uh, since it's ice cream, we're going to find out for you which agency, you governmental agency, you file a complaint with. Because I don't know okay. for ice cream. So I want to make sure it's the right place. And uh-huh. so I want to put you on hold and we're going to get you that information. Great. Then I'd like you to do one other assignment. And that's when you've run the course with the food manufacturer and the retailer. I'd love for you to come back and report on what actually transpires through this process. Okay, I would love to do that. You know, food safety has been so much in the news lately with the recalls of various products that have put people's health at risk. This is something that, if it's widespread, could cause great harm to people, but is hopefully uh, more likely an isolated thing with having an industrial tack in the ice cream. Today's Clark Rageous Moment is so funny and so true. It's about any time you sign up for a service or you get an app on your phone, when they hit you with the privacy policy. Scams, rip-offs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. So this is an organization with too much time on its hands. The Privacy Project that is devoted to letting you know where your privacy is at risk, what kind of shenanigans organizations may be up to, apps on your phone, whatever. They actually took the time to read 150 different privacy policies. 150 privacy policies. And guess what they found? Nobody has any idea what they actually mean. And it is incredible. There's a test that the folks did using something known as Lexile. It's a test that was developed by an education industry firm that determines how difficult something is for someone to understand. And they found that there was really virtually no chance at all that even someone who has an advanced degree in college could understand the privacy policies, that they are beyond what a college graduate could handle. And that's the reality, is that companies don't want you to understand their privacy policies. 
I sat down just last week with a notice from a credit card company that sent me their annual privacy policy statement. You know how they all have to do that. It's probably regulatory rules. And I thought, hey, I just got to look at this thing. And I just started laughing because I have a master's degree. I had no idea what it meant. But the best part is that the throwaway language that these companies put in their statements is how they value our privacy. But then the whole privacy policy is about not valuing our privacy. You know, we need in the United States the ability, the right, the law needs to exist that gives us control of our personal information. Unfortunately, there seems to be no will right now in the country outside of the state of California, which has passed such a thing, to give us control of our own information, who have been in a domestic violence situation with how their information is out there all over the place. We're going to do it at some point. We just should have already established a law guaranteeing your privacy rights right here in the good old USA. I'm so glad to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. Clarkdeals.com is where you go to save money all through the day, each and every day. This is a Clark Howard ripoff alert. I have a follow-up for you of a scandal that I have shared with you a couple of times over the last few months, and it involves a scam health insurance um, scheme. What do I call this? So let me spit it out. So there's an organization, it was called Simple Health Plans, and they stole massive amounts of money from people, $150 million from tens of thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands of people who were sold health insurance coverage that, for the most part, didn't really exist. On top of it, the actual limits and the coverage were so poor that even if somebody actually had any kind of coverage, it didn't do them any good when they had an illness. Now, federal judge has issued an injunction to shut it down permanently and try to get back whatever money they can for people. Now, unfortunately, a lot of the money was used for one of the principals to throw an incredible wedding at the St. Regis, buy a Rolls-Royce, a Lamborghini, a Land Rover, multi-million dollar pieces of real estate, millions of dollars of jewelry, and the rest. So one of the things that the court has decided is that the people who've been scammed in this also have a right to buy real health insurance that normally would not be available till late this year during open enrollment. But this problem 
with pseudo insurance or fake insurance is going to be a real concern of mine later this year. You know, we have a terrible problem with the affordability of real health insurance because health coverage in the United States is out of control, as I've shared with you. But this fall is when there will be a number of companies that will have been green-lighted to sell pseudo-insurance or very limited insurance that excludes pre-existing conditions, tightly limits what it pays for various illnesses, conditions, and hospital stays. And you need to know that we are going to be in a most confusing fall for buying medical coverage for 2020, where you will face a choice of buying real health coverage that doesn't have pre-existing condition exclusion and has no limits on coverages and paying very high premiums for it and having high deductibles for it, but then beyond those deductibles, real comprehensive coverage or buying these policies that are not a joke, but they could be a joke on you because the limitations, exclusions, and limits of dollars they pay will be so severe. So that's different than what happened to a lot of people here where there was actually no insurance issued for the premium dollars they paid. But I'm going to have a lot of people calling me in 2020 who are going to feel like that's what happened to them when they do have an illness and they find out it's not covered. Scott's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Scott. Hey, how you doing, Clark? Great, thank you, Scott. How can I be of service? Okay, so it's a question about uh, whether or not I should bring my home, my personal residence, to market and uh, the best way to do so. Okay, give me some background if you could. Okay, so we bought our home about 10 years ago. And it was a short sale, which we're looking back on now, whether or not it might be a good idea. We've done some improvements in the meantime, but as of right now, there's high demand for our home in our area, and we don't like our house for one of two reasons. One, it's small. <laughs> two, you want out. Um, we do want out. But okay. also, in, in the meantime, plenty of things have gone wrong with it. I mean... The whole house. We need our septic redone. Our leach field went that backed up into our downstairs. So that Yuck. needs to be completely. Oh, done. how bad uh, did that smell? We can't have. We it's been years since we've had people over. It's oh. been it's been rough. Oh. And, and that's not to mention that the house is uh, from 1972, and we really haven't done much to update the inside. Uh, along with the fact that we might be looking at a a cracked foundation. Uh, so we we do have some equity. We believe uh, Zillow says our home's worth about three ten. That would be perfect world stuff. Obviously, we're paid in. We have about two oh seven in debt service left, and we we don't know how to go about making the decision to either find the funds to bring it to market or how to get out from underneath it. We're really afraid that you know, even though we've been in it for ten years, we might be upside down after all repairs. Sure. So. Let's talk about the key criteria, what makes a home valuable in a neighborhood or not. If somebody, any homes in your neighborhood 
Are the builders knocking them down and building a new house? No, no. Okay, the reason I ask that is I'm trying to get a sense what the land the house sits on is worth. Okay. You know, if there was no house sitting there, what would somebody pay just to be in that neighborhood? Because that would change my answer to you. Okay. So what I would like you to do is I'd like you to drive around, see who you see doing a lot of the, the listings in your neighborhood, in your extended neighborhood. And mm-hmm. there, most areas, there will be three, four, five agents that have a lot of the listings in your immediate vicinity. And yeah. you want those people to come in and tell them, just tell me straight out, don't sugarcoat anything. What would you do with this house if we were putting it on the market? What would it be as an as-is sale? What things would we have to have that would make somebody want to buy it and not think of it as an as-is sale? Okay. Because until you get local real estate professionals in to let you know, because you're, you're emotionally over this house. You are exhausted by this house. And for you, it's just a slow-going, continual nightmare. Accurately stated, yes. So that's why you don't want to make an emotional decision because of that exhaustion with it. And so you bring those people in, and if you hear over and over again, if you're going to get this thing sold, you're going to have to do these things, then you got to do those things. Okay. Whatever, whatever that would be. And it may be that, that the house is in a condition where they say, well, you're just going to have to sell this to somebody who loves a project. <laughs> right. Don't okay. do anything and just let somebody else have the fun. But there's something that I've said forever, and it's a phrase that a lot of people listening to you and me will roll their eyes over, but I say that real estate buyers see what they see, that they don't have imagination except for the rare, rare individual that sees the potential in a home. So they're going to come in, they're going to see it as it sits, and that to them is going to be what that house is. They won't see that word potential in it. So that's why getting these real estate professionals in is going to be central to you making those decisions. Okay. But I would say, based on what you've told me, if you can get out of there with your shirt on your back, get out of that house because you hate living there. Dan is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Dan. Hi, Clark. Um, I'm so glad I got to talk to you. Um, you've saved me tons of money over the years. And I'm Thank just you. retiring at 65, and I won't be able to do that because without Team Clark helping me. Um I have a question about um, taking out of my my retirement account. Uh, it's uh, in one of the low-cost brokerages uh, that you recommend, uh, which I'm so grateful for. And um, I, I will be probably taking a little bit less than 4% out a year uh, added to my Social Security, and I'll be living comfortably. Do That's you fantastic, because uh, you stick with the 4% rule the odds say that you will not run out of money. Uh, you'd really have to work at it to have a lot of bad reversals with your funds 
to run out of money well, following the 4% rule. And I have money put aside in case it's a bad stock year. Uh, so I won't have to take out of the 401k that those years. Great. Um, do you recommend taking out weekly, monthly, once a year, or uh, how to make the withdrawals? So that's really what works best for budgeting for you. And it, a lot of people would say you should do what's, what's known as reverse dollar cost averaging, where okay. you don't know what's going to happen with investments month to month or quarter to quarter. So you take it out 12 times a year or four times a year, every 90 days oh. or once every 30 days. Okay, so like the way I was putting the money in. Exactly. That's why they call it reverse dollar cost averaging, because you're, you're not trying to guess the short-term direction of the market, and you're just pulling it out with no surprises on a regular calendar basis. Okay, that's great. Thank you very much for all your help over the years, and uh, I appreciate it. And my friends who make fun of me for pinching uh, Lincoln's head uh, are jealous because they're working until 70. (laughs) So they got five years they're going to work that you're going to wherever you want to every and day I'm for five years. Great health and longevity in my family. So, and let me say one other thing for you because of that longevity. A uh, couple of things you might consider. One is buying longevity insurance. That, okay. if you're familiar with it, if you have a family with the odds, say you could live a really long time. What you do is you only have to make your money last till your 85th birthday. And then longevity insurance pays you a huge monthly check based on the fact that most people are going to expire before age 85. But if you. Where where do you find information about that at your website? um, I have just a tiny short write up about longevity insurance. But if you were to uh, search that term, on the web, you'll mm-hmm. find a lot more information about longevity insurance than I would have for you at Clark.com. And so what you do is you have that peace of mind that your money only needs to last the next 20 years. And then after oh, that, okay. you're done. The last write-up I did on Clark.com was almost two years ago on longevity insurance. But it'll give you a little briefing about how it works. The other thing you could consider is making an appointment with for just a checkup with a Garrett Planning Network person where you pay them an hourly mm-hmm. rate to just go over your starting point in retirement, what funds you have, and just say, you know, that's a great idea, but have you ever considered this as a way to handle your withdrawals for your money? Or have you ever thought about this other thing? And, you know, the tax implications of this and all that. I think it would be good for you to let that hourly bill run a little bit sitting down with a Garrett person because they don't sell anything they just give you advice like an accountant or a lawyer okay great so I think those two things would be things I would look at so that you're on this new chapter in your life you want it to be as secure and as positive as it can be this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. 
Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Kyle is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Kyle. Hi, Clark. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you, Kyle. How can I serve you? Well, hey, first I want to say I've listened to your show for a long time, and I uh, tr- truly appreciate all of your advice that you've, uh, you've given out throughout the years. Well, thank you uh, for saying that. That's kind. Uh, I've got a question. So my wife and I are in a position now to where our only debt that we have is we have a mortgage, uh, we have one car payment, and currently our income uh, is exceeding all of that, and we're able to start saving money. So we've got a fair amount of money in savings for emergencies, and we have two children, so we want to look at setting up a 529 for each child. And then also, I wanted to get your advice on building a home now or, or waiting, and really, who, who could I be going to for advice? Is there anybody you can recommend um, just yeah. for financial for financial advice and guidance? But Kyle, I have a question because there's something I didn't hear you say. What are the two of you doing to save for retirement? Oh, I, I'm sorry. Uh, so I do have a uh, a four one company matched four hundred one k at my at my current employer. Uh, this year, I'll actually be able to uh, to max it out uh, for the first time. I've never been able to do that, but we'll be able to max it out. Outstanding. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, for and, for my wife, we have uh, an IRA set up for her. And are you doing the Roth IRA for her or traditional? We have a Roth IRA that was an old 401k for her that we are no longer contributing to. And then we have a traditional IRA that we are funding for her. Okay. So both of you would probably, unless you're earning massive amounts of money. Yeah, it's not massive. Then you should both be doing the Roth version. So if you have access to a Roth 401k at work, you should Mm -hmm. be doing that instead of traditional. And your wife should be doing the Roth version of the IRA, not the traditional. Because the tax benefit up front is not worth the tax you'll have to pay down the road if you are a moderate income earner. Okay. As far as priorities and figuring out what's next and all that, if you wanted to just have someone to bounce this off of, I really like Garrett Planning Network, where you can pay somebody an hourly rate to discuss your priorities and help you get your your mind around all right so should we do this next should we do that should we what do we do about the kids college and where should the money go and that kind of thing a garrett person you pay like going to see a lawyer or accountant okay do they have regional offices or is this so there are individuals you hire based on zip code and you'll find who's available in your area and what they charge per hour to sit down and go through what your goals are and what's the highest priority you should be doing at this time. And what's great is the Garrett person will not be trying to peddle any investments to you or anything like that. 
They're just going to talk you through with their expertise what the next best right steps are for the two of you. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.